Tari, I guess a three-game winning streak, uh, getting X back healthy. Do you feel this team is about to hit its stride again with this uh, season coming to a close? Yes. When he took that last shot, I said, I know that. I've seen that. I've seen that a hundred times. I know where that thing. I know where that thing's going. Uh, y'all might as well. Y'all might as well start heading for the exits. All right, welcome everyone to another edition of Boot Up, the LSU Basketball Podcast. As always, Cody Worsham, joined by Harrison Valentine, coming to you after uh, two more LSU wins. Very convenient, again, that LSU continues to win, and then we continue to follow those up with podcasts. Um, maybe we don't do them after they lose. I don't know. We, three uh, straight for the Tigers. Three straight for the Tigers. That's why you're getting another boot up on a Friday. Friday afternoon. We're going to try to turn this one around relatively quickly after LSU, since we last spoke, got wins over Mississippi State, which was a good home win. A win against Georgia, against a very overmatched Georgia team at home, and uh, a tough stretch here coming up to end the season. The, the the next five games for LSU, the last five games of SEC play, are going to be very, very difficult for, for different reasons in every, in every matchup. I think the Missouri home game is one that LSU is going to be pretty heavily favored in, and the rest, including at South Carolina, at Kentucky, the next two, uh, and then at Arkansas and uh, and Alabama at home to cap off the season with Missouri in the middle. Uh, it's going to be a, an important stretch that I think we're going to learn more about this team than we did in the last three games. Um, I think we've learned quite a bit in the last three games, um, but I think we also, what we've learned about this team in the last three games was a reminder, um, and it's essentially that LSU's better when Xavier Pinson plays. Who would have, who would have thought it, Harrison? Wednesday was my kind of game. 30-point lead at one point. You know, low stress. Got to see Madison in the, in the crawfish. Shout out the to Madison. Pot. Well, I don't, know if, the wor- this, game I don't know if the world knows that was Madison, so I think you just broke some well, news there. No, she put it as her profile p- a photo That's right. on Twitter. That's so. right. Um, and good Christian, news reporting. Christian actually retweeted it on the LSU <laughs> official he? account. Did he? Um, did he undo almost, the retweet? Almost, almost yeah, undo. Almost gave Ken a heart attack. Oh, God. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> yep. Thanks for uh, thanks for sharing that with yep. me. That's uh, that's good to know. Yeah. Uh, two. Uh, I guess what we'll do, Harrison, is we'll look at the Mississippi State and the, and the Georgia games. Um, two very different games, although LSU held both teams to sixty-five points. Um, both of them ended up in LSU victories, but two different games, two different types of opponents. Um, Mississippi State, a, a, a stronger opponent that struggled of late. They've lost four in a row now. Um, of course, they're a little bit victim to the difficulty of the SEC schedule. Of those four losses, listen to this stretch, Harrison, uh, at Arkansas, home to Tennessee, at LSU, at Alabama. That's a really difficult four-game stretch that they weren't able to win any in. They gave LSU a fight. They came back, and I think, did they take a lead in the second half, or they at least tied it up? They got uh, it much closer. They wanted a, a big run. Looks like they got it to 48-47, and uh, even at that point, LSU was still favored to win uh, in Ken Palm, uh, 56.9%, and then LSU did what they do, and they went on a 14-2 run to close out that one. Georgia, you said it was your kind of game. Uh, it was. N- not my kind of game. Um, this team doesn't play a lot of my kind of games, though. They, What's your kind of game? My kind of game is a good back-and-forth affair that that LSU pulls ahead and, and wins comfortably at the end. I don't like the blowouts. I don't find them very entertaining. That Georgia team I, um, is, is, is overmatched an SEC team, as I've seen in a while. Crazily beat Alabama at home earlier this year. Um, played Auburn very, very close at home. So maybe we didn't see the best of them. And in the second half, uh, was it Aquinda went off? and you could 26 kind of see, points, right? Yeah, you could see the the skill set that he has, but they're just, you know, they lost Wheeler last year. They lost um, 
they lost the, the kid that went to Auburn. Um, is it Katie, Katie Johnson that's at, um, at Auburn now that was there last year? Um, they, they've lost, they've lost some talent in the, in the portal. And in fact, I was, uh, I was on a, on a national radio show a couple of days ago and they were asking about the portal. And to me, what you've seen this season is like how important the portal is in college basketball. Um, the teams that are winning in the portal are winning on the court. The teams that are struggling in the portal are struggling on the court. I think the SEC is a perfect example of that. Like, listen to this. This is just, I just pulled it up off Ken Palm. Uh, it's, it's all Ken Palm team. So it's, it's his metrics based top, uh, top five. Uh, Oscar Tshebwe from Kentucky. I know I mispronounced that is the number one player in the SEC. According to him transfer. Tari Eason, the number two player, transfer. Jabari Smith, Auburn, freshman. Scotty Pippen, Vanderbilt, not a transfer, kind of your traditional older, uh, older upperclassman. Number five, Walker Kessler, Auburn, transfer. So three of the top five players in the conference right now, according to Kim Palm, are transfers. Uh, one of them is a true freshman, and one is kind of your traditional upperclassman. So the way that the portal has transformed college basketball as a whole is uh, is, is, is remarkable to see. And I think that LSU Georgia game to me was the perfect example of that when you had um, Tari Eason and Xavier Pinson as the two best players on the floor and Georgia missing some of their be- their best players from last year because they lost them to the portal. Yeah, 17 and 0 now with the lineup of Pinson, Days, Murray, Mawani, Reed. Such a difference, you know, to have guys like Tari and Gaines come off the bench. I know Will is asked this question a million times. Um, but, like, what does a healthy Pinson give you? And he said after the game, you know, the ball moves when he's in. You know, when, when the ball moves, you find mismatches. The whole pot stirs when, when this lineup is at full strength. E- even if, I mean, Tari checks in, you know, I think he checked in at the 17.50 mark. So he's, yeah. he's checking in two minutes into the game. Um, but it still gives you a, a huge boost to have, you know, the best six men in the country come off the bench. Yeah, so you mentioned LSU's lineup and rotation. I tweeted out some stats after the game. When Xavier Pinson, Tari Eason, and Brennan Murray are on the floor, LSU's outscoring opponents by 60.8 points per 100 possessions. Adjusted. Adjusted for strength of schedule, adjusted for tempo, all that stuff. But when you adjust that, and basically the adjustments is just to make it level so that LSU's numbers are equivalent to, you know, a non-Power 5 school's numbers. And gives them a level playing field. So I'll repeat that. When Penson, Eason, and Murray are on the floor, LSU outscores opponents by 60.8 points per 100 possessions adjusted. That's the best trio in the country, Harris. And that stat comes from Evan Maya, who is my new favorite Twitter follow. Um, that's how how important Penson and Eason together are. And then Murray, who who you know I love, and I've been beating the drum for him since the preseason. Uh, it's very, very clear when those three guys are on the floor, LSU is a completely different team. And when Pinson was out, it just it flipped everything. And it, we don't need to dive into that. We've discussed that ad nauseum on the podcast. But it's just uh, to, to bring it back to the, the the portal conversation that I was sort of hinting at, like it's just changed the way that college basketball, um, the, the the entire structure and foundation of it. Like it, the one and done rule was the the the, the most recent change where – Groups like, you know, schools like Duke embraced the one and done. This was like early early 2010s. They embraced the one and done. They made them a big part of their their program or whatever, kind of a philosophical shift. Um, LSU dabbled in that with the Ben Simmons stuff. Didn't really work out for LSU. Now it's the portal, and LSU's embraced it. They've been excellent there, getting Tari, um, getting Pinson. They've, they've been able to pick up good players there, getting Sharif in the portal. 
And uh, and I don't know what the next front is, but LSU's winning there, and that's why they're winning in the SEC. It's why Auburn, who I mentioned, has Katie Johnson. They have Walker Kessler. Like they're they're built in the portal after last season. They went thirteen and fourteen. Like the the turnaround in college basketball is is um, quicker than ever. And I think it's I think it's boosted the SEC across the board too. Like South Carolina, one of their better players is uh, a kid from North Texas, James Reese. Right, like. This is this is the the air, and so it's it's made the top of the league certainly much more competitive. And um, but LSU's done a good job staying on top of that. Yeah, we've talked about the the smoothness and the effectiveness of the offense with you know a healthy lineup. How about how about that press on Wednesday night? Thirty one points <laughs> off turnovers. Um, I thought you know it was as effective as we've seen it all year. Created havoc, and it was a little bit of a grind offensively to start the game. Both teams were a little bit sluggish, and I thought. I thought that press really generated a lot of energy and offense that that really catapulted LSU, you know, to the big lead they had. Were you at the game on? No, I didn't. I, didn't I, w- I went to the Mississippi State game. I didn't go to the Georgia game on Wednesday. I was on dad duty that evening. Gotcha. Watched that one on TV. LSU had some some big runs in that game. They had a seventeen zero run that really mm-hmm. pulled it away. I think it was spurtability. T- yeah, and it's funny that Evan Maya had a similar tweet. Um, about the, the spurt ability. And we, we've talked about that graph before. He updated it today. And LSU's in this like quadrant of its own. It's so weird when you look at this graph. I retweeted it earlier. Which way did we move? We moved further to the right and further up. So what basically, the further to the right and further up you are, it's the more runs you give up and the more runs that you get. LSU gets a ton of runs. They give up a lot of runs too. And so I was looking at that spurt ability graph. And you can go look at it on my Twitter because I retweeted it. Um, and the, we can't even describe it, the, but I'm pulling it up for you, Harrison. Like you can see right here, like yeah. here's a bunch of teams. There's dominant teams in the bottom right. There's strong teams kind of in the bottom middle right. Um, there's weak teams in the top left. And then there's LSU just in this in this air of its own. And Evan actually messaged me on Twitter. So like, look at LSU, man. Like they're in their own they're in their own little area here. I think it's really interesting. And I quote tweeted it, and somebody had a great response. I want to give him credit. It was. Uh, Christopher B. Carter, Esquire. <laughs> uh, he said, a stat that backs up, neither team is ever out of an LSU game, yep. which kind of sums it up, man. Yeah. Like that's, that's the summary of the Mississippi State game. LSU had a comfortable win, uh, a comfortable lead. Mississippi State comes back. LSU pulls away. Like The press is a big part of that, though, because LSU is very, very dependent on that press. They're good. They're a good to very good to sometimes dominant half-court defense. Um, they are a average to sometimes below average offensive unit. But when they're pressing, it suffocates you and it fuels them. Like they steal your oxygen and use it for themselves, and it gets LSU going offensively. And that's when they have these streaks. Now, when they when they the when the press becomes ineffective, when teams get through the press, really just break it once. Like if you break it once and you get into your half court offense and you score, um, you're you're probably okay because then LSU is going to have to come back down and they're going to have to get in their half court offense, which is where they struggle. And um, they're less likely to get in their press. That's why they're so, I think, um, run prone and prone to giving up runs is because they are so dependent on that press. They're dependent on chaos. That's the that's the word that I felt the most in these last two games is just how chaotic LSU makes things. Uh, it's, it's untenable for a lot of teams. Some teams with very, very good guard play can handle it. If you don't have good guard play, you're not going to compete with LSU because their press is just going to drive you crazy. You're going to turn it over as many times as yeah. Georgia did 26 times. LSU had 16 steals. Like it's just untenable if your guard play isn't stable. So, um, and they make everyone turn it over. Like I'm looking at Georgia's turnovers. Aquindo had three bridges, had three cook had five, Wright had three, 
Uh, Abdul Rahim had three. Like they turn over everybody on your roster, so it's why they're they're spurtable and chaotic. Um, but it's why they're no one wants to play with them. And so just as they have these, you know, basketball is a game of runs. LSU basketball is a team of runs, and that's why like if they make it to the Final Four, Harrison, I'm not going to be shocked. If they go out in the first round, I'm not going to be shocked. Um, they they can they can do this to anybody, including themselves. Yeah, I'm going through my Twitter account right now. All my tweets, Tari Easton Steele, Brandon Murray, and one, 13 one run over the last 4-22. And then I scroll down two tweets. Don't blink, 11-0 run for LSU over 3-17. Like, there's just so many runs. Um, like you said, what? Even the end of the game. They, yeah. they let Georgia go to 12-2 well, right now. Gonna say. They called the dogs off, um, no pun intended. But Will Wade called the dogs off and put in some of the backups and took the press off. But you saw as soon as they took the press off, Georgia was comfortable. That's when Oquindo started getting buckets was – Hey, we don't have all this pressure anymore. We can get into the half court with ease. Um, that's that's where the press really is determinative for LSU, and that's where again having Pence in there makes the press better because he's playing twenty five minutes and Gaines is only playing nineteen minutes. And those nineteen minutes, he can go hundred miles per hour the whole time. He doesn't have to. Yeah. He doesn't have to pump the brakes. He doesn't have to change pace. He doesn't have to change tempo. Um, that's that's for for Pinson to do and for Pinson to run the show. Uh, it just it just makes everybody better, which you've like, really seen the last couple of games, like you said. 16 steals, 26 turnovers forced, four shot clock violations, even a 10-second violation. Um, you know, the defense was as good as it's been all season for 35 minutes which, which of is, that game. Yeah. And Go ahead. I was, after the game, I was walking down, you know, near Kent and Christian, near the, near the sideline, and I saw a visibly upset Will Wade uh, walking off the floor with his assistants, and... You know, it was because they gave up those 18, I think it was 18 points in the final 450 or something like that. Yeah, they gave up 27 points in the final 10 minutes. Yeah, a couple of turnovers, and, you know, that hurts you in, I guess, the net, right? And um, <clears throat> That's exactly right. Yeah. You, you stopped talking because I point, I did the point at you. Okay. Like, I started yeah. shaking my finger. <laughs> That's why Will Wade was upset. Yeah. We've heard him talk about beating the computers, right? And for a while there, LSU was up by as much as 30, 77, 47, um, if I have it correctly here. And before the game, LSU, Ken Palm had LSU winning 80 to 61. That's a 19 point margin. Okay. So take that 19 point margin because Ken Palm is the epitome of the computers. Take that, that 19 point margin. If you win by 30, you've outperformed the expectation by 11 points. You're going to move up in the computer rankings because you're, hey, they're 11 points better than we thought. We've got to bump them up a little bit. So today, LSU 16 in Ken Palm. If they win that thing by 30, I'm just throwing a number out there. This isn't scientific or mathematic. Maybe they're 15 or 14 today, right? But because that expectation of winning by 19, you're up by 30. And then all of a sudden, LSU calls the dogs off and it gets back to 19 where they ended up winning by 19. Hey, you you performed as expected. So you remained you were 16 going into the game. You remain at 16. So they didn't have that computer boost that they were on pace did to they get. Drop, did they drop in defensive? Like he he talked about in the post game. It's definitely deflating as a coach when you play 35 minutes of like, you know, perfect defense. He, you felt like you, he felt like they should be rewarded for that and he was like we might even end up dropping in the defensive ratings after this game. <laughs> Did he say that after yeah, the game? That's yeah. funny. I didn't hear his post-game press conference. That's funny because I, I I just know him well enough at this he point was good, yeah. that I knew that was bugging him. Like I could see it on his face. He's just like, the computers, <laughs> the computers aren't going to reward us for this, which, yeah. he's, which he's right about. He pays attention to all that stuff. His, his greatest strength as a coach is his attention to detail. And so he knows that, and he had to do it because I, as I was watching the game, I was like, man, they could – 
they could keep pressing Georgia and win this thing by 40. They really could. And he did the right thing um, morally or ethically, however you want to say it, by calling the dogs off. Um, but it cost them some of that computer boost that they didn't get rewarded for where the first – let's go back and look at the actual clock here. The first 35 minutes of that game, they gave up 47 points. They were on pace to give up 52, 55, that's a, that, and get rewarded for that. But they called off the dogs. They stopped pressing. They put in the backups. They weren't able to hold on to it. Does that matter in the long term? Maybe a little bit. It might affect your seeding mm, a little bit, but not much. Not enough to – I think he made the right decision. Just goes to, to speak to his – how much he, he pays attention to that stuff and how locked yeah. in he is on, on all of, of that stuff. Speaking of how much he pays attention to all that stuff, like at post game, he's just ringing off like points per possession, points per game, like stats. Uh, I think it was like 0. 0.8 points per possession or something like that. Yeah, they held, they held Georgia 0, 0. 0.88, and it was probably, and, and like everyone that listens to this knows how much I love the numbers, probably to a fault. <laughs> but you were asking about adjusted defensive rating. Remember a couple weeks ago, three or four or five weeks ago, we were saying LSU had the best defense historically in the Ken Palm era. Um, they they were at like 0.81 points per uh, possession or uh, 81 points per 100 possession, if you want to do it that way, however you want to look at it with the decimals. That was the best defense of the Ken Palm era. Now they're number two in the country this year. So they went dropped down all the way to five. They're back up to number two, only behind San Diego State. Uh, I think... In raw defensive efficiency, that's adjusted. Again, we're talking about not to go off in the numbers here, but if you've listened this far for the numbers talk, you're not about to bail and jump off the ship. Uh, probably in raw numbers, they are still one or two. Um, let me let me look it up here. Let's click. Yeah, they're number one in, in raw, but it's at eighty six point four, which it was a couple weeks ago. It was in the high seventies, low eighties. So they've had a, some slippage there. They had a chance against Georgia to sort of get it back. Regardless. Despite this statistical off-road that we've taken, it was good to see LSU beat a team that they're better than comfortably, even if they sort of let them creep back in. Um, they didn't do that against Mississippi State. Mississippi State's better than Georgia. They let Mississippi State creep back in. But then I thought the lesson from that game, and I know you didn't watch that one as, as closely because I, th I think we traded off games there um, that we were at, but... Th that game was to me this the story of that game was Pinson and and, Tar and Tari was great like Tari we're gonna we're gonna talk about how great he is in a second um, but the story of that game was Pinson just sort of controlling the game and I think I, I don't want to overdo the Pinson stuff because we talk about X every week I think what I've realized the last couple of games with him is it's not the counting stats that that he really makes a difference is like. 12 points and four assists in the Mississippi State game was great he just makes the winning plays that aren't always quantifiable in the stats and whether it's the hockey assist, whether it's the he's pushing it down the floor and he decides to pull it back or he's decides to push it down the floor when someone else wouldn't have, or when it's just the big buckets he get like against, against Mississippi state, he had two or three buckets where LSU was struggling and it turned, we talked about those spurts that LSU gets into offensively where teams go on 10 runs over four minute stretches. Cause LSU can't score. He can kill that stuff. He can go get you two quick ones, a quick and one get to the free throw line and sort of stop the momentum. So there's a lot of his game that's hard to to quantify, but I think it shows up in the stat that I was talking about earlier where he's, you know, him and Brandon Murray are the, the best duo in the SEC and him and Eason and Murray are the best trio um, in, in the country. Like that's where that stuff shows up. A lot of stuff you can't quantify with him, but I'll, I'll quantify one thing here. 10 assists on Wednesday night, first time in his career to have double figure assists. 
Does that surprise you at all? I feel like he's a he's a distributor. Um, but I also loved what Days said post game. You know, the importance of him is clear. Whatever he needs, whatever he wants, X will get. Yeah, it does. It it doesn't surprise me just because I know his story. Like in Missouri, he was more of an off off guard. Um, he played with was it Drew Smith at Missouri that he played mm-hmm. with for yeah. a couple seasons, and Drew was such a do, a dominant um, on ball guard. Um, and they played well together. There's no question about it. But um, he he was more of a scorer. That's why he came to LSU. Like I think Will Wade told him, look, we want you to come here and be the guy that runs the show. And so he's got a career high assist rate at thirty point seven. It's at thirty five point one in conference play alone. Um, I don't think it's qualified for the most, uh, the, one of the higher numbers because he missed so many SEC games. But I bet if you looked at it, like he's in, he's probably pretty close to Severe Wheeler, who for conference play is on the season, he's at 36.0. And what did I just say, Pinson was at 34, 35 for conference play. So he's at that level of distribution in the SEC, one of the very, very best in the conference because he's he came here to play that role and contribute to winning. So I'm I'm glad to see him doing that. Just checking the roadcaster and making sure making sure it's okay. We're good. The roadcaster has failed us a couple of times, but today Harrison we're running things through the uh I know, through the laptop, so we're good. I know you wanted to talk about Tari. Let me pull up his stats. I want another, to talk about Tari. Another super efficient night, twenty one points, nine of fifteen shooting. He had let's see, twenty three on eight of fourteen shooting against Mississippi State. So he's hovering around that sixty percent uh, range from the field, nine boards on Wednesday too. Thought you know, thought he was going to get that double double. He had like seven rebounds in the first half or something like that. Um, but you know, he 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 admits you know X makes all the difference, puts him in the right p- uh, positions to you know make plays, and keeps proving why he's the best six man in the country. He's one of the best players, players in the country, in the country um, Harrison. And I, and I'm not saying that to denigrate what you just said because you're right. He's the best six man in the country. Whatever six man awards out there, he's going to win. Should win. Um, He's one of the best two-way players in the country this season and in recent college basketball history. Harrison, the things he's doing defensively are unprecedented. So, again, dive into the numbers. This is a tweet that I sent out after the Georgia game. The list of college basketball players who have shot 42% from three with a steal rate over 4.5% and a block rate over 6% in conference games since 2008. Tari Eason. He's the only player that's done that. So think about the three components of that that tweet that I just read. Shooting 42% from three in conference play. That's incredible. For someone of his size and his athleticism and all the other things he can do. He's shooting 42% from three. So if you leave him open, he's going to destroy you. Like he's going to destroy you from three. Now the steal rate and block rate combo. 6.5%, 4.5%. That doesn't mean anything on its own. You don't you shouldn't understand that in out of context in context here's the list of college basketball players with those numbers since 2008 Tari Eason Matisse Teibel who was probably the best defensive prospect in the in the draft of the last decade and Damian Johnson three players since 2008 who have done what Tari Eason is doing as a blocker and a stealer as a stock guy like there's a joke to be made about his draft stock increasing because of all the stocks that he's getting um he if he if he leaves this year and I don't know what he's going to do I hadn't talked to him about it I hope he stays for forever I'm sure he'd like to become a f- professional sooner rather than later though um he he's going to be a lottery pick because of that alone not not even the offensive stuff just the defensive stuff now you add in the 40% plus from 3 in conference play the, tw- the all the 20 plus uh point per games nights that he's having the the way that he can score in the half court 
He's adding that drive to the left to his game. He can bully you. He's three steals. Lethal in transition. Crazy block. You see that block he had the other night? Which one? The one where... Towards the, the end of the game. Yeah, that was... And <laughs> it's disrespectful. Yeah. He, was, he was respectful about his reaction to the block. The block itself was... And then he looked into the camera and gave like a little wink. I love... A little wink, little shrug. Yeah. You know, the, I lo- that's the image of Tari and I, I think it was just shrug. like a little... You know, put his tongue out. He's like... Yeah, just a, just a little little playful. Um, his box plus minus on the season right now is 14.3. Harrison, who was the last player in the country with a box plus minus of 14.3 or better for an entire season. Should I know this? You shouldn't. This, okay. the, what I like to do is esoteric stats that uh-huh. no one understands because like, I don't even understand them, but that you, you, you bring them in with the context. What's the name? Zion Williamson uh-huh. is the last player in the country with a box plus minus at Tar East. That was level. actually going to be my first guess. Now, he's actually tied for second in the country this year behind Chet Holm, Holmgren, who's going to be a lottery pick at, at Gonzaga. Um, Zion's was 18.7, which is <laughs> off the charts. And so what I said in the, the, the tweet is what I'll say now. I know all these somewhat – these esoteric advanced stats like don't really make sense outside of context, but here's the point. Tari Eason is posting two-way numbers that are absolutely incredible in every historical context. The things that he is doing on both ends of the floor are not done commonly in college basketball whatsoever. They are done by rare, rare players. And – Shame on me for coming into this season and thinking, not that I, th- I thought Tari Eason would be a good player. I thought he would be one of LSU's best players. Shame on me for not realizing that he was going to come in and be one of the very, very best players in the country because that's what he's been. Yeah, he had a good answer on uh, the presser on Wednesday. He was asked, you think this team's hitting its stride now? And he just goes, leans into the camera and just goes, Yes, I love when I love when coaches and players do Tari, that. Just Tari's don't. a funny interview. Oh, dude, he's I mean he's he's sharp as can be, and um, maybe you should set up an interview with him sometime soon. Yeah, Harrison. maybe I, you could. I think I might. Maybe you could put together a nice little. Uh, someone should really write a story on Tari. Someone, someone should really write a story on Tari. Someone should really write a story on Kayla Pointer. By the way, yeah. with uh, with uh, I loved how her her mom responded. Someone should write a story. <laughs> I, like, I wanted to reply. I wanted to reply. Be like, stay tuned. I didn't. I didn't. Uh, I didn't no. see that tweet, but that's good to know. How about the women's basketball team? Man, I was over at um, Will's press conference just now, and Kim Mulkey had her press conference after that. Twenty-two and four on the season, ten and three in SEC play. Got a chance to host the first round of the uh, NCAA tournament. Let's not put the, the cart ahead of the horse, but what an incredible turnaround! Like I, I wrote a column. After the NIT match, NIT game in 2008, 2017, 2018, where LSU beat ULL and Will had his fired up press conference after. You've been under a rock. Um, I wrote a column after that that I grew up as a kid in Baton Rouge where basketball was an afterthought. Like it was football, it was baseball. Basketball was always an afterthought. And I wrote a column after that night based on the atmosphere and the attention that game got. I said, hey, for one night, Baton Rouge was a basketball town, and I really enjoyed it, and I hope it lasts. I would have had no idea that if you fast-forwarded four or five years down the line that you'd have a men's program that, going through a, a difficult stretch, is 16th in the country in Kempom and is going to be a you know a top five, six seed in the NCAA tournament in a year where things have not gone their way. Like, they had their two best players injured for their two best guards injured for large, long stretches of the season, um, one of them including for the entire season, and Adam Miller. And then that you'd have a women's basketball program that had a Hall of Fame coach was twenty two and four in her first season after, um, but they win last year ten games like the the turnaround that both programs have had over the long term, but this year specifically with Kim Mulkey and that women's basketball program is unbelievable. I was going to say this as the as the close as I 
tell everyone to subscribe and, and rate and review. But if you're thinking about going to the, the game on Sunday, go. Like, let's sell that place if out. You, if you hadn't bought a ticket yet, you may not get one. Like, you better go to LSUTix.net and buy one right now because they may not be in stock anymore. Let's sell that place out. Let's take full control of second place in the SEC behind number one South Carolina. Um, it's exciting. You know what I love about that team, Harrison? I, I love um, the, the three-guard lineup is not common in, in basketball anymore. And the way that they play with Cherry, with Pointer, and with Alexis, uh, with Alexis Morris, is is really fun to watch. And the way Alexis took over the game last night at Mississippi State, at the end of the game, they just kept, we called it one four flat when I was playing or fourteen. Uh, I think Kim Mulkey said today at a press conference they call it uh, red hot, which is a great name by the way. But they just said, hey, we're going one four flat, and Alexis Morris is going a one on one and getting buckets. And then on the other end, they're getting stops. And like we give credit, I, I give credit to their guards. The way those three guards play together is phenomenal. Autumn Newby defensively last night was fantastic inside. They're they're a fun team to watch, man. Like if I'm being objective, they um they they play they play as good a brand of basketball as you're going to see at the at the college level. The way they move the ball, the guard play, Kayla and Alexis and Jalen Cherry are, are a, a, a one two three punch in the perimeter. They're fun to watch. So you take all that, the success, the potential for a sellout on Sunday. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be fun. I'm going through my going through my Twitter account. I think, as co-host of the Boot Up LSU Basketball Podcast, I think we need to address the Kent Low fathead that was spotted at the game on Saturday. Do you see that? Of course, did I see that? Of course. <laughs> How do I, I get one of those? I know where one is, and I've laid claim to it. But there may be more. Um, but I know exactly where it is, and it's about three floors down from here, and a little bit down the hallway. It's tucked away in a safe place. I may or may not have the key. Marketing. Psh, Harrison, it's her secrets. Don't tell away. I got them. a t-shirt the other day. Okay, don't Dude. tell Don't tell people the secrets. They're, they're going to break into the marketing offices and steal the Kent Lowe fathead. <laughs> uh, one more thing before we get out of here. South Carolina and the next upcoming stretch of games. I'm concerned about the South Carolina game, Harrison. You are? I am. Uh, South Carolina is 15 and 10 and 6 and 7. Um, they had a difficult stretch of three straight losses twice in sec play um, but they started one and four since then they're five and three in the conference and they've beaten um they've beaten the teams that they should beat and then the teams that are are, are better than them have taken care of them but i'm concerned because it's on the road um it's a team that's won two in a row and feeling a little confident one two in a row, a row on the road by the way they're coming off of back-to-back home losses before that to Tennessee and Kentucky, so they're going to have that taste in their mouth of, man, we hadn't won at home in a while. And they do some things that I think could give LSU trouble. One, they're vicious on the offensive glass. They're top 20 in the country, I believe, in offensive rebounding percentage, 22nd. They get 34.5% of their misses. Um, as much as LSU um, – turns the ball over and and allows offensive rebounds to give other teams extra possessions, that concerns me because that's the bane of LSU's defensive existence is extra possessions because they're so good at taking away possessions from you that if you get extra possessions, they can hurt you. Um, two, they've got some um, toughness and experience to them. Keyshawn Bryant's a guy that's given LSU trouble in the past. Reese is a North Texas transfer. They've got, uh, they've got some guys that have been around the block and have some toughness. And it's just that that I'm not going to call it a trap game. And I know Will Wade's going to have his guys up for it because they know how important this is. But LSU seven and six in the SEC, and South Carolina six and seven. They're only one game back. 
And you look at those standings and you want to get the double bye if you're LSU, you're two games back. Arkansas at nine and four. You're going to get a chance to play Arkansas at their place to try to get back that that um, the win that they took away from you. It's a huge game for LSU if you want to stay in the top four. Um, but Kentucky is on on the horizon on Wednesday at Kentucky, and again, not a trap game going to South Carolina, but you wouldn't be surprised. This is the kind of game, right? This yep. is the kind of game that we've seen not just LSU but a lot of programs that are pushing. Um, late in the season to try to make that run, this is where they can slip up. So I'm a little yeah. bit concerned about it. The road definitely doesn't get much easier from here. You know, you've still got three ranked opponents left in your final five games, um, just one at home. So definitely a lot to prove in terms of SEC seeding and NCAA seeding. So the, the path to that top four spot in the SEC is not going to be easy because you've got five games to make up two. Good thing is you've got kind of what in soccer they call the six-pointer with Arkansas, um, but it's going to be at Arkansas, and they've been good at home, including a win over Auburn just a couple of uh, a couple of weeks ago or 10 days ago. And uh, and that's not only that one, but at Kentucky, the South Carolina one at home. Missouri at home is the one that you should take care of, but then you um, finish up with Alabama at home, which is going to be an incredible atmosphere. Regardless, uh, LSU probably needs to go four and one in that stretch to have a shot at the uh, at the fourth spot. And I, I don't know that's a, that's a tall ask. They can do it, but the South Carolina one is a must win if you're going to do that. And I'm I'm just a little bit concerned. They throw some things at LSU that are going to be difficult. Before we head out, I want to give a shout out to uh, Killer Cam Cam Thomas. Cam Thomas representing um, for your. Your Brooklyn Nets, right? That's yeah. your that's your well, team. I'm not a big NBA guy, but I think if I was, it would be the Knicks. Uh, well, I mean that, but if you're not a big NBA guy, then you can pick, yeah, right? And I so mean, you don't have loyalty. I've been to more Knicks games than I have Nets games. Yeah, so. but if you're not dedicated to them, like you can you can follow your heart and root for Cam. Um, yeah, it's been awesome to see Cam uh, Cam thrive, man. I loved what loved what Will said today about Cam. You know, watching his his shot and walk ons. You know he. He, he said when that shot went up, he knew where it was going. Um, but from what I from what I understand from you know writing that story on him last year, that's just you know that's who he is. That's what I tweeted. Like he's built for the big moment. You know when the lights are are brightest, he delivers at his best. And it's funny because he's a quiet kid, and you know he doesn't look for the spotlight, but the spotlight you know finds him. And it's been really cool to see him just going off in in, in his rookie season, even I, even against my hometown Knicks. Yeah, and look, I'm not I'm not surprised. I thought. Cam would have a shot at the next level to be that shot in the arm scorer. Um, dude, he got the the shout out from KD after the game. Way to lead us tonight, twenty four. Yeah, um, that's that's pretty cool. And I, f- when he landed with with the Nets, I was pretty fascinated because you thought, you know, of course they have Kyrie, KD. They had Kyrie, KD, and, and Harden. But man, like he could he could fill a niche, right? And then in the back of my head, I was like, if things don't work out with like Kyrie or Harden, he could be that. They could justify trading one of those guys just by saying, we got Cam Thomas. He can score. Like he can give us the scoring. We'll go find the defense or whatever elsewhere, but he can supplant the scoring. Didn't think it would happen this quickly, though, where he became um, a guy that's averaged 20 plus over his last five games and shooting you know, 37, 38% from three and hitting step back game winners in MSG is pretty surreal to see an LSU guy doing that, but really cool. One of the coolest things about his game is that he grew up idolizing Kobe, obviously. Yeah. And he also studied James Harden pretty closely. 
And to see him wear 24 and hit the fadeaway, but also do that James Harden-esque step back, <laughs> it's just like, it, with Harden watching until he got traded. Um, but like, there would be videos of him hitting that Harden step back with Harden watching. And, you know, that's just a testament to how much he studied him and how much work he's put in. And it's awesome. I'll always be a little disappointed that COVID robbed us a little bit of the Cam Thomas, the full Cam Thomas experience. Um, he, he was, he was such an electric scorer um, that could heat up so fast and always a guy that I thought it's, it's weird to say, I always thought he'd be a better pro than a better college player. Not that he wasn't a, a great college player. And we certainly saw that in the NCAA tournament last year um, and over large stretches of last season, but I always felt like the spacing at the next level, the um, having more talented guys around him. Not that LSU, again, wasn't super talented last year with Javante. Congratulations to Javante for landing a contract with the Heat after averaging 30 over several games with uh, with their G League team. But Trenton Watford's doing well with Portland. You know, Skyler's doing well with Atlanta. Uh, I think Tremont's still competing. At, um, I saw he had landed somewhere in the G League recently and was, was working on trying to get a two-way contract himself. Like, not that LSU hasn't had these talented guys in before, but you put a KD next to him and you put a Kyrie next to him. I always thought... He's like your third option offensively at the next level. He's going to be incredible, and he's been their second or third option, sometimes even their primary option in recent games. And now he's got like Seth Curry next to him. He's got Ben Simmons joining up with him, which that'll be really fun to watch too. Put Ben on the floor with those guys and let him go. It's cool to see. Um, I was talking about the column that I wrote after the ULL game in Baton Rouge becoming a basketball city for a night. It's cool to see LSU becoming a mainstay in the NBA and guys popping up. And I think that's only going to continue um, certainly with a guy like Tari or whoever the next, the next guy is, but it's going to, it's going to keep happening, which is really cool to see. Hopefully this is the beginning of the ascend. Every team hits a rut. You know, we, hopefully ours was, you know, it's good to have it in the middle of the season and hopefully this is the ascend and we're, we're how much, three weeks away from March almost. Yeah. So we're, still a lot of work to do. But. We're going to learn more about this team over the next five games than, than we did the last three. The last three were three games they should have won. A&M, Mississippi State, Georgia. They should have won two or three before that. TCU, Ole Miss, Vanderbilt. But they didn't have Pinson or Pinson wasn't at full strength and they were still riding that ship. We're going to learn a lot. I, I think these next five games are going to tell us um, more about who LSU is. And I think the South Carolina game in particular – I think this is going to tell us, is this a team that's ready to make some noise in March or do they still have some flaws to fix before they're at that stage? And they're not going to have long to fix it if, if that's the case, because you got Kentucky um, on the road the very next game. Um, we're going to learn. I think this South Carolina game is one of those sneaky games that you look at on the schedule. And it's like, yeah, South Carolina, they're middle of the pack in the SEC. I, but going to there against that toughness and that caliber of team, I think we're going to learn a lot about this team. And I'm excited to see that. All right. Do the thing, Harrison. Go to the women's game, sell that place out. For sure. Rate, review, subscribe, and boot up. Well done. Go Tigers. See you next time. Cody, good to see you, baby. You've been working all year? We hadn't seen you here, man. Okay, Cody. All right, Cody. Y'all know his mama was a basketball coach? All right. Y'all just got to get a little history from me if you don't.